Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and in today's episode, we've got something kind of special. This is an interview that I did with my client, my good friend, John Curry. Uh, he is a master salesman, and uh, we spent some time, we sat down, and we talked about sales mindset. And this is, I think, one of the best episodes that we've put out of this podcast. And we put out what I think are some really great ones. I know you're going to get a ton out of this. Uh, we run a little bit longer than, than we normally do on the podcast, but, but it'll, it'll be well worth you listening to. So, uh, enjoy. And, uh, and, and as I said, in the beginning of this, sit down and, and take some notes. You're going to, uh, you're going to walk away with a real education in selling from the next few minutes with John Curry and I. Welcome to the Unstoppable Mindset Podcast. We're your hosts, Steve Gordon and... John Curry. Hey, John. Glad to have you back with me today. Today, though, I want to talk about something that you are exceptionally good at. And for folks listening who haven't heard of you before, and I would imagine that's most people, um, let me just... Uh, you have to bear with me for a minute because I'm going to probably embarrass you. Um, John is among the best sales people in the country, probably in the world. Uh, he has been consistently for 30, 35 years at the very tip top of the insurance annuities and investment business. Um, he would call it retirement planning. Um, has won all sorts of, of the leading industry awards and has trained some of the best salespeople in that business uh, over the course of the last three decades. So um, I've been really blessed to to know you um, and to watch you, the conversations that we have, which people are going to get a flavor for today about sales, have transformed the way that I sell and the approach that I take. And it has made a tremendous difference in my own business. And so I'm excited about this because I know that people are going to get a ton of value um, I mean, this is one of those uh, things that you get and you listen to and you save it down on your computer somewhere and you take notes because um, the things that you're going to hear, I think, are really going to change the way that you approach sales. So if you're not blushing yet. Well, first of all, I got to tell you, I'm a little surprised where you did that <clears throat> because you didn't tell me how you were going to do this. So, so uh, thank you for that uh, sneak attack. I like to keep you guessing. <laughs> so... <clears throat> John, I mean, just just watching you sell, which I've had the the fortunate experience of doing, and um, and becoming one of your clients. So I've I've experienced it on the other side of the table. So I've seen it from both sides. And when we get together for breakfast or or for for something a little stronger than that, um, you know we're always talking about stories around sales and you're sharing the things that you're doing. So you've got this really artful way of doing it. And one at one point, I think you described it as purity of intent. Absolutely. And that's a mindset. So tell me a little bit about that mindset of purity of intent. A salesperson is more of a consultant than someone who's pushing a product. You identify what your client needs, what they want, and you help them get it. Now, purity of intent is simply this. It is for me sitting across the table from you, the client, and the intent is I'm going to help you get where you want to go. 
if my product or my services that I'm selling will not get you there, I should have the moral backbone to say, you know, Steve, I'm not the right fit. My product or this service is not what you need. If I have another product or service, I can offer that, or I can refer you to a competitor that can help you. So number one, period of intent, is making sure that I take care of my client. Now, I used to say that I was a shepherd taking care of my flock. You've heard me say that many times. Now, what am I? I am a sheepdog watching out for my sheep. Not that my folks are weak or meek, but I'm using this from the standpoint of a retired army officer talks about in his book, using the metaphor of sheep are out there, they're totally oblivious to the threats around them. Okay, that's the majority of the people. Then you have the wolves over here who want to attack those sheep and kill them, take their stuff away from them. Now, the wolves could be a metaphor for the stock market crashing, uh, death, disability, pick, pick something, lawsuits, whatever. And then you have a very, very small fraction of the population that are the sheepdogs. The sheepdog can be mild and meek like a sheep, or it can be ferocious like a wolf. But if you mess with his sheep, he will rip that wolf apart. I am a financial sheepdog. I'm not going to do anything to hurt my sheep, my clients, and I will attack anything and anybody who is hurting my client. That's purative intent. You know, you couple that with was something very, very powerful because we all know we've been across the table from prospects or on the phone with prospects and they, and this is going to sound bad, but they, they lie and they, they don't always do it intentionally. Sometimes they're lying to themselves. Excuse me. We all lie. We all do. Every, let me tell you what, every time you walk into a store and you look at a television, the salesperson comes over and you know you want to buy the TV. They say, can I help you. What do you say? Just looking. I'm just looking. You lied like hell. You went in there to buy a TV and you know it. You are afraid that guy is going to try to push you and sell you. So we all lie. It is a, it is a defense mechanism that we all use in order to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. But once the person says, may I be of service? If you have any questions, let me know. Now you feel comfortable. You don't feel threatened. And now you're open. So if you want to be a good salesperson, number one, be open. Be open to people. Be willing to walk away. Tell the truth. Be open and be service-minded, not sales-minded. I'm sorry to interrupt, but go back. No, I think, well, and that's a really, that's a great point because that's a difficult thing to do. You know, for most in sales, they're in a position where they're likely to get rejected at some level, most of the time, right? Sure. So the tendency becomes, especially if you haven't really dealt with your mindset and kind of put yourself at peace with, you know, whatever the outcome is, the outcome is, you know, you don't get tied up in, I'm going to make this sale. If you haven't gotten to that place, then it's really easy to want to protect yourself as the salesperson from the rejection. Absolutely. Because no one likes to hear the word no. Yeah. So you end up closing off rather than opening up. So how have you dealt with that? I mean, you started in this business, and I, I would imagine in you know 1975 you were. I was 22 years old. Yeah, yeah, and and I would imagine you probably just didn't come out of the womb with this ability, did you? Are you kidding me? I was struggling. I was struggling like you would not believe. 
I think the way you, you get it is like most things in life. You have to work on developing rhinoceros skin. Think about being a politician. Everybody, I mean, not everybody, half the people hate your guts. I use the analogy all the time when I do sales training. I said, if I chose to run for governor of Florida, Steve, as a Republican, I'm a registered Republican. So if I run as a Republican, all of my Democratic friends that love me, what are they going to do? They're going to distance themselves a little bit. Now, they'll still be friendly at Rotary Club, Economic Club of Florida, Tiger Bay, whatever I go to. They're going to be nice to me. But under underneath, they'll be going, he's a damn Republican. I can't vote for him. I can't give him money. I hope he doesn't ask for any money. Because, because of our friendship, I'll have to give him something. Likewise, if I ran as a Democrat, my Republican friends do the same thing. That's because we have these barriers. We're divided. We're more divided today than ever, in my opinion, because of if I'm a Republican, I don't want to deal with you because you're a Democrat, et cetera, and vice versa. So I look at it as being, how do I straddle that line to be able to get everybody to be open and want to learn more? And if we have the ability to do that, we don't get as many no's. But visualize being a politician and half the people hate your guts before they even know you. They hate your guts. And that's not half. I use the analogy, 40% hate you, 40% love you, 20% don't know. So my way of dealing with it is this. I'm going to offer my services, and I've already programmed myself to say the majority of the people are going to say no. If you say no, you lost, not me. I feel badly for you. Actually, I feel sorry for you if you're not my client because you're not getting me and the team around me to take care of you. It's really easy. And I, I know what people are thinking who are listening to this. Sure. Hey, that dude can do that now because of where he is. Well, so how do you get there? And I, I get that, you know, you got to go through it. But for somebody who's trying to go through it and slog through it, there are those days when you just feel like... It's simple. It's one word. You want the word? Yeah. Mindset. Decide today that no is simply a little tiny word of two letters. Big deal. Decide now. It's two little word letters. That's it. It doesn't throw a punch. It doesn't throw a kick. It doesn't throw an elbow to your cheek like in martial arts. It's just No. If you want to have some fun, do this. You want to role play for a second with me? Sure. Steve, I'm going to ask you to make a financial decision today. I'm going to ask you to make a decision that's important for you and your family. When we get to that point when I ask you to, what they call the closing question to make a decision, I'm going to ask you to say yes or no. No is good. Yes is good. The only thing that's not good is the word maybe. Now let's practice. Say no. No. Say it again, please. No. So we know you're capable of saying no. Say yes. Yes. One more time. Yes. So we know you can say yes. So when I ask you this question, do you want to purchase X, Y, or Z? Can you give me a yes or no answer? Yes. Perfect. Now, if you say no, it's okay. It's okay. Can we do that? Of course. And I'll reach out and I'll shake his hand. Good. Let's make a deal. Now, I'm going to go through my product with you or my service, and then I'm going to ask you, would you like to have it? Now, what have I done? Tell me how you feel right now. 
I've taken away the sting of the net. I've taken the pressure off of you, so you're not sitting there trying to make up some excuse. Well, you know, I got to go home and talk to my wife about this. I've given you permission to go in and tell me no. That's a different attitude, isn't it? And it takes all the pressure off of you, the buyer. It takes all the pressure off of me, the seller. Early on in my career, probably a year, maybe two years max into it, I started reading and studying everything I could about sales. And one day I just came up with the attitude, you know, most of this stuff that's written is a bunch of crap. Just have a conversation with your client and say, look, I want you to buy some life insurance, long-term care, this mutual fund, this annuity, whatever. What do you know about it? Most people will say, you know what? I don't know anything about it. Would you like to learn more? Just be yourself. Be authentic. And all of a sudden, people go, hey, I, I like this guy. I want to learn more. Well, and I, I think that's a, that's a critical piece is just being authentic, being a human. And, you know, it, there's a lot written. If you look at that, the books that are out there, a lot of the sales training out there, you'll see a lot of advice that will suggest doing what you just described. However, even though it's out there, I don't ever experience anybody doing it. Oh, I agree. When I'm buying. I agree. Okay, because... I, nobody nobody treats me that way. And, I, and I, I, I'm going to just jump in to take what happened to me just recently. I'll tell you exactly what's happened. It happened the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I went over to Best Buy to buy two televisions. I want one for my conference room, and I want one for the house. And the guy said to me, I can almost quote it, but I'll paraphrase it. I don't need to tell you a lie. I'll tell you like it is, because I'm not a commission salesman. I don't make a commission if you buy. Frankly, I was offended. And I said, I'm not buying those TVs here. Put them back on the shelf, and I told his manager how I felt about it. And I drove... Uh, less than two miles, went into Walmart. They happen to have a bunch of TVs on sale. And I bought almost the same television, a little bit larger in size, actually, 55 inches instead of 50, for $298 each instead of $397. Why was I offended? Because the dummy is basically insulting what I do for a living, that if I make a commission, therefore I have to lie, cheat, or steal to do it. That is bullshit. If you're an honest, ethical person and you have an honest-to-goodness product that changes people's lives, then take the attitude, mindset, whatever word, that you're going to help as many people get that as possible. That's, that's the difference. And you can develop that from day one. You know how quick it is? That quick. You say, this is my mindset. I know I'm good at what I do. I know my product is good. And that's what good politicians do. Well, think about people. Go, well, go way back to Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, Henry Ford, George Firestone. All these guys who did stuff and people criticize them. You'll never make it. You'll never make it. Henry Ford especially. Who wants a car? Did they listen to people who said no? Of course not. But it's very few people in our history. And that's the kind of stuff I read. I read about people from hundred years ago, what they had to fight and deal with. And I love biographies and autobiographies. Mm. That's another way of developing the attitude, the mindset that what you're doing is right. And, it, and again, it goes back to what you started with at the beginning of, the, of this 
discussion. That is purity of intent. If I'm just trying to make a buck, you can smell it. But if I'm truly looking out for my client and me, it's a two-way street. I can't just help you and go broke, which I have a problem with because I'll be honest with you, there are many times I spend way too much time with clients. Don't charge for it. I've done a lot of unpaid consulting in my life, probably still will, because that's just my nature. If, I can, if I'm in front of you and I can help you, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let you walk away unhelped if I have that power to help you. You know, John, the the thing that, as I listen to you, the, the thing that kind of comes to mind is, and, and this has helped me tremendously over the years, is what I call the surgeon's posture. And it helps distance, it helps you distance yourself from the outcome. And I want you to imagine if you're going in to see a surgeon. And I you, did. You I'm did. a heart surgeon. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, you're going, and, and I did for, you know, I had a, a shoulder issue a couple of years ago and I thought I was going to have to have surgery. And I went in and saw an orthopedic surgeon and uh, knew him. He'd already done surgery, surgery on my wife's shoulder. Um, so I was familiar with what was ahead and it was not going to be fun. And, you know, he comes in, he's got the lab coat on, he's got x-rays. Um, and we'll talk about your lab coat in a minute. But, you know, he he came in and started to examine me. And he'd move my arm around. He'd listen to my description. The guy never smiled. No bedside manner. No, well, it, it wasn't even about that. And that's what I like about this this image, he never smiled. He didn't completely believe everything I told him. He took that as input and right. he went and verified. Yes. And he verified through examination, through further questions. In my case, physical, you know, tests and MRI. Didn't take your word for it. No. Um, and, and I'm thankful that he didn't take my word for it because his goal was to figure out what I needed. Yep. And then help me get what I needed. And the, which, best, and the best way to get there. And the best way to get there. Exactly. And turns out the best way to get there wasn't to sell me a surgery because we all know that medicine, especially surgery, you know, surgeons, they're in business. That's how they make money. Yes. You know, however, he had this posture that, you know, he was dispassionate about it. He didn't care what the outcome was other than that the outcome was the best possible outcome for me, given my goals and given my current condition. And I take that now as I go into every sales conversation with a potential client and just take a moment and say, all right, I'm the surgeon. My job here is to really dig into this problem. This person needs help or they wouldn't be here. And it's my job to go in and figure out what that is and whatever the help is, whether it's help I can deliver or they need to get someplace else, my job right now with this other human being, with this business that they're running, is to figure out what the problem is. And that's what an ethical person does. And make no bones about it. People in the medical field, a surgeon, they're in sales. They position themselves to be someone of authority also. They're in sales. But an ethical surgeon would do just what yours did. Hey, Steve, you don't need surgery. Go do these things. Because he knows if he does the right thing, that story gets out. But that's who he is. But now, on the other hand, 
I won't even come close to using a name, but we had a surgeon who was basically kicked out of the medical profession here about 10 years ago because he was recommending everybody have the same type of surgery, even though you didn't need it. He was, whatever that is, just borrowed, that's legal, but whatever it was, it took away his medical license because he was selling surgeries to make a buck. Well, let's bring this back around now. So what's since taking what I call the surgeon's posture, sales have gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. Sales are dramatically different than they were before I did that. And, and that's a little bit counterintuitive because you think, well, if I'm not pressing... I'm not trying, you know, I'm not ABC, always be closing, right? Yeah, that's a joke. It is. It's, it's, it's malpractice in sales, frankly. And by, by backing up, almost kind of leaning back instead of leaning into the prospect. Imagine yourself leaning back, being a little bit skeptical. Well, I'm not sure that you're the right fit. It's interesting what happens when you give the prospect that space. Mm-hmm. And when you have the mindset where you can, you're open enough and confident enough to give them that space, they lean into you. Well, it's having the courage to admit when your product is not the right thing or your service. And if you, I have a different take on that than you do. And mine's a little harsher. I have a lab coat and it says John H. Curry, the secure retirement doctor. And I walk in sometimes with that lab coat on the stethoscope, especially if I'm dealing with a medical doctor, just for shock effect, have fun. But look, Back as a seasoned, experienced salesperson, 42nd year, since 1975, if you sit down in front of me, I visualize not only being a surgeon, I visualize a specific surgeon, a heart surgeon because of what I went through with my heart surgery, triple bypass to be exact. I look at you and I go, you have a problem. In my case, it was three blocked arteries, 110%, 190%, the 90% they called the Widowmaker. When my cardiologist said, John, you know what they called the Widowmaker? I said, I got a damn good idea. He said, you're not going to Orlando in July in the hot sun on my watch. Because if that gets just a little tiny, tiny bit more blockage, you'll be dead when you hit the ground. That's why we called the Widowmaker. Now, what did he just do? He just very visually, graphically painted a picture for me. Now, that was a big weekend coming up because I was going to speak at a professional association, unveil a seminar program, or I knew I was going to make $50,000 that weekend. Knew it. Excuse me, not even the weekend, the Thursday and Friday before the weekend. Then a nice weekend at Disney with my wife and my grandson. Then another conference where I suspected another big payday. Well, I didn't get to do that, of course because they did open heart surgery. But for me, the visual I have more so than ever was the fact that I, it's not my problem. It is your problem. I have the power, the ability, with my knowledge, my wisdom, my skill, to help you get rid of that problem. But if you choose to be in denial, because I could have told the doctor, you know what, doctor? I'm going down to Orlando to Disney World anyway. I think you're wrong. I don't need your advice. Now, the way he presented that, though, I knew he was loving and caring, but he was firm. Most salespeople have been taught to suck up and kiss up. People don't want that. 
They want the surgeon's attitude like you described. They want a leader. They want a leader. They want someone who would tell the truth, identify the problem, and help them understand the problem. No one likes to be browbeat. Nobody. But at the same time, if I develop a relationship with you where you know that I have the purity of intent, that I'm doing the right thing for you, I can do like Coach Helms did with me in high school, grab you by the face mask and say, give me your best, give me your best. But if I don't care, and you know I don't care, I can't do that. And that's what you just described, is looking out for protecting the person that you're working with and doing the right thing. But don't do it in such a way that you're so pushy. Let them identify with you that there's a problem. But I, I will tell you, I have a, I, this is a mindset. There's not, there's not 50 people on the planet strong enough to change my willpower in this one. It is not my problem. It is your problem. I am the solution to the problem. And if you don't buy that, that's okay. I'll feel badly if something happens to you if we're talking about life. Hey, look, let me, let me, let me put some seriousness here. 1982 and May of 82, my wife's brother committed suicide, left behind a young widow and two little kids. August 2nd, same year, three months later, my brother committed suicide, left behind a young widow and two little kids. I tell people I was in the life insurance business until then. Then the life insurance business got in me. I still sell life insurance, proud to do so. But if I just go sell a product, that's not right. Identify everything. What do you want? What do you need? And help you customize, help you co-create a plan. And I still sell a lot of life insurance. Most people in my business would love to sell what I sell. But, you know, the product is incidental. It's identifying what you want. Do you want to take care of your family in the event of your early demise? Do you want to plan for a secure retirement? Once we're in sync with what the client wants, selling the product, it's not even a sale. It's, it's like, okay, do you want to do this? Well, and, and, and to your point, as we wrap up here, I know you run across people who come into you and are dead set against buying what you're selling, in particular with what's talked about in by some of the quote-unquote financial gurus who have written books and show up on, on the morning news shows. They don't want anything to do with whole life insurance. Right. People will come in and tell you, whatever we're going to do here, I'm absolutely not buying whole life insurance. And then... You figure out what they want. You diagnose the problem. You get enough trust and under, they, they understand that you're in it for their good and only their good. And they walk out of there buying a metric ton of whole life insurance if that's the right solution to them. And they're, and they're damn happy to do it. Or term insurance if that's the better solution. Whatever it is. But you get my point is because you take this approach – you're able to get people to do things that at the beginning of the relationship, they tell you they absolutely are adamantly against doing. And then they realize because of the approach that you take, that this thing that they were vehemently against is actually the solution they've been dying to get. Yep. 
and they nope. walk out happy to have it. And no pun intended, right? Yeah, no pun intended. But they walk out happy to have it, and not only happy to have it, but now have a deeper relationship with you as a business owner than they had coming in. And and I think that that's the point of everything we've just talked about is that if you take this approach and and you can train yourself to have this this mindset as you approach sales you can get people to do things and i don't mean manipulate them into doing it that's right. not what we're talking about not at, all. at all you can get people to do things that at the outset they will tell you they absolutely are not going to do i like to ask this question if you tell me what you're not going to do i am not doing such and such See, most people in our, my field of selling would hide from that. They'd run from it. You know what I do? I lean in and say, Steve, may I ask you a question? What if we discover that the very thing you don't want is the ideal thing you should have? What do we do then? And they go, oops, hadn't thought of that. Why don't we have a conversation? Suspend judgment. And at the end of our conversation, if that particular thing you don't want is the right thing, let's then do it. If it doesn't fit, let's don't do it. So you don't run from the problem. You lean into the problem. You lean into it. And now, nine times out of ten, the person goes, John, do you think I should do this? I think so. It doesn't matter what I think. What do you think? I want to finish. do something before we finish. Okay. I want you to state for the record exactly what type of engineer you are. I am a geomatics engineer. Explain that. Oh, gosh. Just okay. take a moment, one sentence, explain <laughs> geomatics. So geomatics engineers are expert at measuring things on the earth and mapping those things and measuring them down to the millimeter. Down to the natural end. Yeah, down to the natural <laughs> end. So we're sitting here in Tallahassee, Florida, and I could measure something from here to Atlanta or Washington, D.C., down to the Nats rear end. So can we agree? I'm professionally trained to do that. Okay, so can we agree that the most unlikely person to be a good salesperson would be a damn engineer like you? Pretty much, yeah. So how is it that you have become such a great superstar on the sales side yourself? Well, thank you for that. And... So explain that to our to our, our audience here. Well, I like to eat, and I have children that like to eat. <laughs> and that's a good motivator. You know, you know my story. So early in, in my career, um, I had a really great opportunity out of college. Was a tenth employee at a uh, at, at this firm, and after four years, I was asked by the founder to take over for him, become the CEO, and. Um, and here I am at age 28, and there's this firm that's doing okay, doing fairly well, stable revenue and all that. But we, you know, we had big plans to grow it, but none of us knew how to sell anything. None of us knew how to market anything. And, you know, here we are. We're, we were probably, I mean, not to, to pat ourselves on the back, but we had the best, one of the best teams in that industry at the time. And we just didn't know how to get it out in front of people and, and get anybody to want to buy it. And, and frankly, nobody ever wanted to buy what we were selling. 
we were a need, not a want. It's not like we were going out with the next iPhone, you know, <laughs> where people are waiting in line, camping out in front of our doorstep for it because it's cool. So they reluctantly purchase your product. Well, I mean, they had need for it to complete their ultimate goal. They needed it. Okay. But like every other industry, we were a commodity. There were, you know, 50 firms that would do it for less than what we would do it for. And we were very successful at getting multiples of the market rate. And the way that we did that was a combination of things, was marketing, which we're going to talk about in the next episode, because I think there's an important mindset to marketing that is missed that will make sales much easier. It's a prelude to sales, frankly. It really is. If you fix that part, the sales get easier. So we, we got better at marketing. And at that time, that meant mostly me speaking and being prominent in, in the industry. Um, so we were positioned well. But the other part of that was really taking the time and having the guts to understand what a client was trying to achieve, not going in and selling them the service that we had. But if we were working with a land developer that wanted to develop, you know, a 5,000 unit development in Southeast Florida, going and understanding that the real important thing to him or to that firm was speed. Because they were spending, in some cases, twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars a day in carrying costs. Let me jump in. Here's what you did. See, you separated yourself from the pack because you identified what the real issue was. The real issue was not buying your service; it was buying speed, which means that they were able to get paid faster. Agreed. Absolutely. So what you did. By identifying that, you were able to justify your fee because they got paid faster. That, folks, is what sales is all about. It's not about the obvious need in front of you. It's about having the ability and the desire to study, which you do. You still do. You read, you study, you learn. You dig deeper and deeper and deeper so that you're bringing value to the table that your competitors don't even think about. They don't even think about it. But I wanted, I told you I was going to pick on you a little bit at the beginning of this thing. And I wanted you to share that because what I see in you, my friend, is that you are a, a perpetual, constant learner. You're growing. You're not in that fixed mindset. You're constantly growing and learning about the sales process, the marketing side. I've learned a whole lot about marketing from you. I know I'm a master salesman. I period know that. But also I had to work on the marketing side to help me make the sales easier. So thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, my pleasure. And as a prelude to our next episode, we're going to talk about the mindset shift you need to make in marketing. Uh, and if if you're struggling at this point, getting the number of clients that you want, uh, I think everything we've talked about today will help you. But for sure, we're going to make the sales piece much, much easier for you. So tune in in the next episode and we'll we'll cover that. Until then. We'll see you soon. Have a happy and prosperous life. Amen. Hey, it's Steve again. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this interview that I did with uh, John Curry. John shares some amazing things, and I hope that it's been beneficial for you. And I have a favor to ask. I'm on a mission to help as many people in professional services get better at selling and get comfortable at selling as I possibly can. And I think listening to this interview will help people. So I'd like for you to think of one person right now, one professional who 
is trying to grow their business. And I'd like for you to just stop what you're doing and share this podcast with them. Send them an email, tell them to, to go check it out um, or send them a link on Facebook. But please share it with them. Do them that favor today and, and help them. Um, I'd greatly appreciate it. And I know you'll be doing some good in the world. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.